We are in week five of our series of the gospel according to John. And this is the message, if you were here a couple weeks ago, that I said I was so excited to preach. And I had to work really hard not to preach it when I was preaching the other message about John the witness. Because as we're going through the gospel of John, you remember we've got two different Johns. We have John the Apostle, who was the first cousin of Jesus, and then we have John the Witness, or otherwise known as John the Baptist, and how in the first few sections of this gospel, it's going back and forth between John the Word and John the Witness. Well, this week, we are going to dig back into John the Witness, and so if you've got a Bible, we're going to be in John chapter 1, starting in verse 19. We're going to work our way down to verse 28, and this is a section where we get a little bit more information about John the Witness. I told you several weeks ago how healthy it is to know who you are and know who you're not, and that John knew who he was and knew who he was not, and that comes out of this text that we're going to see today, and one specific question that John the Witness is going to be asked because people were perplexed about who he was. And I love the answer that he is going to give. In fact, the kind of multi-phased answer, if you will, that he's going to give to the answer to this question. And it's the greatest question I think you and I could ever be asked. And so we're going to look at the, how they asked John that question and then how John answers that question. And then what we can learn about that from ourselves or for ourselves, I should say. And so, again, it's going to kind of operate on two different fronts that we're going to look at the, the historical account of what John the witness was asked and how he answered it, and then look at it about how we can learn for ourselves about how emotionally healthy John the witness was, and therefore how we can learn how to answer this same type of question and the way that he did, all right? So let's go John chapter 1, verse 19. It says this, and this is the testimony of John. Remember John the witness. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? Who are you? So that's the question. Who are you? In fact, that's the title of today's message. Who are you? And I love how they came to John and asked him this question. And I'll get into, you know, kind of some implications of why they were asking that and how John answers it. But I love the question in that. That's one of the greatest questions that we could ever be asked. Who are you? If I were to ask you the question, who are you? How would you answer that question? So many of us would rattle off, you know, things that we do or certain roles that we have, but but as we're going to see today, we got to get deeper into that question of who are you? So again, context, you got to remember John the witness is preceding Jesus, right? So now Jesus is not on the scene yet doing his ministry. We'll actually see that in the next couple uh, coming weeks as John the witness baptizes Jesus. But at this point in time in human history, John the witness was coming first. And so he was witnessing. He was ministering and he was causing quite a stir, actually. Uh, lots and lots of people were going to him and flocking to him. And so now you have people from Jerusalem and it tells us priests and Levites that were sending some people to go ask John, like, hey, go see what this ruckus is about. Go see what's going on here with this guy. And everybody are talking about this guy. Who, who is this guy? And so they send messengers, if you will, to question John, who are you? Now, a couple things that point uh, that kind of stood out to me when I was first thinking about this 
One, it says, this is the testimony of John. And I told you a few weeks ago that the Greek word for that is the word martyr, where we get our English word martyr, which means to die for your faith. But back then, it just meant to give a testimony, to to give a witness, to give an account. And so this section that we're seeing here, this is the account of John, John the witness. And, and, I, and I love the idea of testimony, even though depending upon your church background, you may not have used that word because when we hear the word testimony, that's like somebody sharing their story of how Jesus changed their life. And, and that's true. And that's a good thing, but it's a word we don't use as much anymore. But the idea back then to witness is just to give an account of what's going on. So these people wanted an account, wanted a testimony or kind of a firsthand experience about what was going on with John. And John had to give a testimony. He had to give a witness. The reason why I think that's important is because you and I need to understand there's going to be no shortage of people asking you this question, who are you? There's going to be no shortage of circumstances in your life. They're going to come to you and force you to answer this question, who are you? And you're going to have to give an account. You're going to have to give a witness. You're going to have to give an answer. And so first off, what we see here is that John, this is the testimony, this is his witness, and you're going to see in just a little bit, he was prepared to give an answer. So I think so many times when we're in our life and we're struggling with our purpose, our existence, why we're here, one of the reasons is because we haven't really stopped to ask ourselves this question ourselves, who, who am I? Or why am I here? Or what is this all about? And so I just want you to understand there's going to be people that will come along and ask you, and you have to be ready to give an account. You have to be ready to give a witness. Now, second thing that is important here, that this kind of jumped out at me as well. It says, when the Jews sent priests and Levites. Now, the word there, sent, is the exact same word that I told you a few weeks ago also of the Greek word apostello, or where we get our English word apostle. So the Jewish people apostled these people to come and ask John. Now, the thing that we know about John the witness, John 1, 6 tells us there was a man named John who was sent by God or sent from God. And so we talked about how John the witness lived his life as one apostled from God, lived his life as one sent from God. But we need to know, and this is kind of what I was alluding to earlier, there are other people, though, who live their lives not sent from God, but sent from others. Other people that are not sent by God or from God or on a noble mission, but there are people who will make it their mission to act like they are sent to you. And what I mean by that is there's going to be no shortage of people who feel empowered to criticize you, no shortage of people that feel empowered to question you. And, and, and this is honestly one of the saddest things and, and, and really one of my criticisms a lot of times when it comes to social media, when I just see people all the time on social media ragging on other people and criticizing on other people, my first thought when I see that is how in the world do you have time to do that? How in the world do you have time to sit here and criticize and, and account for and make comments about all these other people? I, I'm busy trying to live my life. I'm busy trying to do the purpose for which I was sent, you know, be a good pastor, be a husband, be a faithful follower of Jesus. And I don't have time to sit here and criticize everybody else's lives. But you need to know there are people who will have that time. 
who will live like they are sent from someone else. And this is the part that I just want to point out is how sad is it for someone's life to be all about criticizing someone else's life? But yet the religious leaders of the day, that's how they lived. The religious leaders of John's day were power brokers. They were power hungry because they were under you know, Roman occupation. And so they were always jockeying for their positions. So you had the Pharisees, you had the Sadducees, you had the Essenes, you had all these different groups and they all wanted to know who are you, who is this? And there was all these rumors and all these prophecies. And we've already looked at some of them out of Isaiah and Malachi. We're gonna talk more about that today of coming messiahs and all these people. And so everybody's always kind of jot, who is this, who is that? And so they were always kind of on this mission to, to push down. There's all these different kind of revolts and things that happened between your Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. So all these people were always looking for, who is this person? Who is that person? Are they the powerful one? Is that the one we can ride the coattails of? And it's just this idea that how sad it is when so many of us live our lives as though the mission of our life was to be sent by people to criticize people. It's like I heard one person say, and this didn't originate to me, and I don't know who said it, so I can't give them credit for it. But it's, they said this, small people talk about other people, but big people talk about ideas. So think about that. Small people just spend their time sitting around talking about other people. And sometimes you Christians are the worst because you'll frame it in the form of prayer requests. Like we joke about often, I got a prayer request, and then you just gossip about somebody. Well, that's a version of smallness. That's a version of, of living sent as though it was your job to criticize them. But that's not what we see John doing. John wasn't sent to ask other people, who are you? John was sent to tell other people who Jesus was. But yet these people were sent to John to question him. That was their mission. That was their apostleness. That's what they were sent for. And, and so what I'm getting at here simply is this. Like I said, not only is there no shortage of people that are going to ask you that question, so you better be ready to answer it, but your answer should go deeper than that. Your answer should go deeper than just what you were sent to do to criticize other people. It's, it's got to go deeper to the point of, no, there's this sense that I wasn't sent by these people, I was sent by God. I was, sent, I was apostled by God to bear witness, to bear a testimony about the word. And so that's the first thing that you see. And they ask this question, who are you? Who are you? Now let's get into that. Who are you? Great question. I don't have a problem necessarily with the question that they asked him. I just have a problem with the motive to which they were asking it. But it's not a bad question. In fact, it's a question that I hope that you and I learn to wrestle with even more. Who, who am I? Now, let's look at John's response. And there's three things that John's going to say here, three nots, and then you'll see later three positive. So these are in the negative, And then later he'll give us a little bit more description of what he is. But the first thing that John answers to their questions is what he's not. So look at this, John chapter one, verse 20 and 21. He confessed and did not deny 
but confessed. It's important that that word was used twice. I'll tell you why in a second. I am not the Christ. So the first thing that you see John say is, I am not Jesus. I am not the Christ. I am not the anointed one. This is the uh, Hebrew idea of the Messiah. I am not him. Second one, he, and they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am, everybody with me now, let's try that again. I am not. I want to say that one more time. I should have had you do it on the first one, but I forgot. So let's just do it here. What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Thirdly, they asked, are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Three times they're asked, he's asked a question. Are you the Christ? I'm not. Are you Elijah? I'm not. Actually, the first one, he wasn't asked. He confessed it, which is even healthier. And then the third one, are you the prophet? No. So here's John the witness, John the Baptist, who Jesus himself said about him, there was no greater person born of woman than John the Baptist, than John the witness. And here you're seeing an example of why. Because John knew who he wasn't. John knew who he was not. Now, again, before we get into how he responds in the affirmative of who he was, the answer to their question, the first thing that we need to know is more often than not, in your process of trying to figure out who you are, you got to first realize who you're not. You got to first realize who you're not in this journey of trying to figure out who you are. The first thing that John does here is he confesses. And this is what I was pointing out earlier. The word is used twice. And this word confession means to admit or acknowledge. And I love how John says it. He confessed and did not deny, but confessed. It's written in such, it may not sound very good in English, how it feels like it's a choppy sentence. But what he's saying is he went out of his way to confess. Now, this is an important thing because especially of those that are of the Protestant tradition, which means Protestant means to protest. We broke away from the Catholic church over 500 years ago. So you had the Protestant Reformation and then out of the Protestant Reformation, you have all these different Protestant denominations, which I've referenced before. But in the Catholic tradition, confession was a much more practiced thing in the sense that you had to go to a priest to confess, now, one of the things in the Protestant Reformation that was an important distinction that was made, and I think it is so important that, that it was necessary, is that we do not have to confess to a priest anymore because Jesus is our high priest. So as a result of the Protestant Reformation, and this is why we don't have little you know, vestibules sitting around our buildings where we have a priest in there and you go and confess to that person, because you don't have to confess to a priest anymore to get forgiveness of sins. Jesus is your high priest. However, at the same time, I would like to point out that as a result of the Protestant Reformation, there's a lot of Protestants now who have quit doing the discipline of confessing to anyone. You don't have to confess to other people to get forgiveness of sins. We go straight to Jesus. But there is a healthiness to confessing to others. That's what I'm trying to point out. And you see that in John the Witness. He 
He wasn't even asked this question. This is when I kind of misspoke earlier, but he freely confessed it. He confessed and did not deny, but confessed. So twice it's saying like he went out of his way to say, listen, let's get this straight off the bat. I am not the Messiah. I am not Jesus. I am not the source. Now, this is what we talked about a few weeks ago when we talked about the true light. This is what we talked about in the beginning. We talked about the word and all things come from him. We're not the source. Now, for those of us who think too highly of ourselves, you might see that as bad news. But for those who realize rightly who we are, that's great news because here's what that means. You and I are not responsible for holding the world up. You and I are not responsible for bearing all the burdens of the world. You and I are not responsible for making sure everything is taken care of at all times because we're not the source. We're not the Christ. In fact, I would even say to you, and I'll point out what, what I mean here, you and I are not even necessarily responsible for the results or the fruit. You and I are responsible for obedience. You and I are responsible for doing our part because then that enables the process of the fruit to be grown, which is God's part. Let me, let me tell you what I mean. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 and 7, where he, there was a kerfuffle that had come up in the church there in Corinth about who was most important, Paul or Apollos. And Paul says, hey, let's get this straight right off the bat. I planted, Apollos watered, but it was God who gave the growth. He said, the one who plants and the one who waters is nothing, but the one who gives the growth. And, and, and we have a phrase around here at Revolution Church, and we say it like this, we sow, God grows. We sow, God grows. See, that phrase is a recognition right here of who we are and who we're not. We're not the grower. I'm not the Christ. I'm the sower. I'm not the one that's responsible for all the growth. Now, that's really, really healthy for us to know that, especially in my role as a pastor. I'm not responsible to make this church grow. I'm not responsible to make you grow. In fact, I can't make you grow. I can't even make myself grow. God is responsible for that. God is responsible for determining how big our church gets, how many people get saved, the results of all those things. I'm not responsible for that. Why? Because I'm not the Christ. And here's why this is so healthy for John to confess. I'm not the Christ because he knew who he wasn't. He wasn't walking around with the burden of the world on his shoulders thinking that it was all dependent upon him. Man, that's so healthy if you and I can get that. The first not, you are not the Christ. And the good news is God never asked you to be. God never asked you to make yourself grow. God never asked you to produce all the fruit of the spirit in you. That's why it's called the fruit of the spirit and not the fruit of self. So John here, first off, I'm confessing I am not. I mean, how much healthier in your life would you be if at the outset of every relationship you confess, hey, I'm, I need to let you know something. I'm not this. I'm not Christ. That would have made your marriage a lot better. Hey, I am not the source of your happiness. Hey, I am not the source. I am not the true light. I am not the word. I am not God. There are limits. 
I need a nap and I need to sleep. But God does not. I've got limits. He's limitless. I'm finite. He's infinite. So the first thing that John says is he confesses, I am not the Christ. Second one, they ask him, what then? Are you Elijah? Now, obviously they knew somewhat of their Bible because we talked about this a few weeks ago in Malachi chapter four, verse five, where the Old Testament closes in verse five and six, where God says, I will send you Elijah and he will turn the hearts of their fathers to the children, to their children and the hearts of their children to their fathers. If you were here, if you weren't, you can go back and watch that message. And so they knew their Bible in the sense that God would send an Elijah. And again, this is that period of time that I was referencing earlier where everybody's like, okay, are you Elijah? Are you the anointed one? Are you the prophet? They were looking and there were people that were claiming to be that. Now here's the irony. John the witness is that. In fact, we know that because the other gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, tell us that that's who he is. In fact, Jesus himself actually affirms that that's who John is. But, but why doesn't John say, yes, I'm Elijah? You want to know why John doesn't say that? Because he doesn't presume to be somebody that he might be. But he's saying, I, I don't know if I'm Elijah or not. I don't know if I'm that or not. I don't know if I'm God's prophet. I don't know if I'm that or not. But here's what I, and I'll get into this in a second, but here's what I do know. Here's where this is, what this means for us. How many times do you see people flaunting their position instead of just being faithful with what they've been given? See, John wasn't walking around and be like, you guys need to know who I am. I'm Elijah. I'm the one. I'm Malachi chapter four, verse five, baby. Can y'all see that? That's me. In fact, to this point, we have really no biblical evidence to, to show that John even fully understood himself at that level to be that. So, so not only does John understand he's not the Christ, but he also has a healthy picture and understanding that he's also not trying to just claim a title. That he's not just trying to claim a position or a status because you got to understand there were so many people walking around in his day claiming to be Elijah, claiming to be the Messiah. And the first thing John says when he's asked, are you Elijah? He's like, I'm not even though the Bible says he was. Now, you may think that your Bible's contradicting itself, but it's not. The Bible is actually showing you how healthy John the witness was. He was so healthy that he wasn't willing to take on the mantle without first proving to be faithful. Let me say it to you like this. I think John was thinking, listen, I'm just going to be faithful and I'll let God decide if that's who I am or not. I'm just going to be faithful. I'm going to do what God told me to do. And then if God says I'm Elijah, then I'm Elijah. But I'm not walking around like I'm, a, <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, I'm Elijah. But yet, how often do we do the exact opposite today? How often does our culture just promote somebody into positions with no real desire to be faithful to that? But John did it the exact opposite. Thirdly, they asked him, are you the prophet? And he answered, no. 
again, you need to understand the biblical perspective of this too. This came out of Exodus, um, Exodus chapter, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, God tells the people of Israel, I will bring you another prophet, another prophet like Moses. And so when they're asking him the question first, they say, hey, are you Elijah? He says, nope. Now they're asking, are you the prophet like what God said he was going to give us that's like Moses? He says, no. Again, the irony is he was. But here's what I, I think. I love how they ask prophet because see, prophet or prophecy was what he was doing. And you'll see that in a second. That's what he was doing. And the thing that I think is significant, so, uh, significant about John saying no to this one, he was saying, listen, I am not what I do. But how often if somebody asked you, who are you, you would define yourself by what you do. I am a mother. I am a father. I am an employee. I am, you know, a wife. I am a husband. Those are roles and those are God-given roles. I'm not diminishing those, but what I'm saying to you is you are not your role. I heard a story of a rather famous person. It may not be famous to you, but it was famous at least in Christian circles in the early 90s, a, name, a lady named Sheila Walsh. And she was a co-host of the 700 Club, which was a Christian TV show. If you didn't watch it, don't worry. You didn't miss out on anything, all right? But in the early 90s, she was a co-host of that show, which was very, very popular in Christian circles. And that morning, and one morning, she tells of this, she was on national TV, and in that evening, she was crouched up in a corner of a psych ward because her life had fallen apart. And as she was trying to go into there, the staff in this, the TV show said, if you go in here, you will ruin your life. You'll never have another platform again. And she said, my life's already over. And then the next day she recounts, she says, the doctor walks in and asks her, who are you? And she says, well, I'm an anchor on the 700 Club. He says, that's not what I asked you. And then he asked her again, who are you? And she said, well, I'm, I'm a writer and a singer because she was a famous singer as well. He said, that's not what I asked you. And then she replies back, honestly, I have no clue. And then the doctor says, that's the first honest thing you've said, and that's why you're here. How often have you and I defined ourselves wrongly by what we do? But who are you? Let's look at now how John responds. John 1, verse 22 and 23. So they asked him, or they said to him, again, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. I love this question here. What do you say about yourself? Verse 23, he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. So John had just given them the answer of three knots. I am not this, I am not this, and I am not that. Well, that would not suffice, which is why I was saying earlier, you better be ready to give an answer because people are going to keep coming and keep asking. But one of the things that, that stood out to me here, they said, hey, we need to give an answer to those who sent us. Remember sent? Who apostled us into this mission to find out who you are. I need to give an answer. Just a little side note here. 
You do not owe an answer to people who just want to harm you. You do not owe a response for people who do not have your best interest in heart. You do not have to answer every one of your critics. You do not have to give an account to them on who you are. But their question is great. In fact, the second question that they ask there is, what do you say about yourself? Now, again, this is where the sermon, if it wasn't already deep, and, and you're like, mm, we're getting into some stuff today, pastor. I'm going to get into it a little more. Let me read your mail a little more. Get up in your grills, what we used to say in the 90s. We say that anymore? Let me ask you another question. Not only who are you, but what do you say about yourself? What do you say about yourself to yourself? What do you say? This is what we call self-talk. You have a lot of negative self-talk about who you are or who you're not. Have you noticed that the answer to that question is always, almost always in the extremes? What do you say about yourself? It's either I'm the greatest thing or I am the worst thing. It's either I'm the most pretty or I'm the most ugly. Almost always, there's never a balanced, healthy, well, self-differentiated answer, right? Which that's what we're going after, by the way. I, I tell you this often, on either side of the road is a ditch. So there's multiple ways to be wrong here. You can think too highly of yourself. You can think too lowly of yourself. But see, John doesn't do either of those. John doesn't take the approach of, oh, I'm the Christ. Oh, I'm Elijah. Oh, I'm Moses. Sign me up, Captain. But he also doesn't say, I'm trash. I'm horrible. I'm scum. Let me say it to you like this. He doesn't claim to be Jesus, but he knows he's not Judas. He, he's not either one of those. But he answers. He gives an answer. What do you say about yourself? And so here's, and this is where I read a few weeks ago when we got into the first part of John the Witness out of Isaiah. He quotes Isaiah. If you were here, remember that. He says, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. What did John the Witness say about himself? He said about himself what the word said about him. Let me ask you a question. Do you say about yourself what the Bible says about you? Is that how you would say about yourself? Because here's what the Bible says about you. You were made in the image of God. You sinned and marred that image. And, and as a result of that, you did deserve punishment. But you were so loved by God that he sent his son to die in your place for your sins. Can you get a healthier self-portrait than that? I can't think of one. I can't think of a better self-image. See, you don't need self-help books. You need the Bible book. You were made in the image of God. You mess it up and deserve punishment, but God remakes your image. God traded his life for yours. So you're made in his image. Yes, you mess it up, 
but you were so loved by him. So you see the healthiness in that? I'm not Christ. I'm not God, but I'm not a failure beyond repair, beyond the reach of the love of God to pull me out. See, John lets the word define who he is. What do you say about yourself? I am. See, John does give a positive response. In fact, this is his first affirmation of who I am this. I'm not the Christ. I don't, I'm not Elijah. I'm not the prophet, but you know what I am? I am a voice. I am a voice crying out. I am a witness. I am what the Bible says I am. And that's so healthy. In fact, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this point down. And I got to give credit where credit is due. I didn't come up with this point, but I think it's awesome. Write this down. I am not, but I know I am. I am not, but I know I am. In fact, that's the title of a book that Pastor Louis Giglio wrote. And I read it years ago, over a decade ago. Great book. I would highly recommend it to you. You can go read it. And obviously there's a play on words there. You see, John, the witness, knew who he was, but he knew his role, and he knew who he was not. See, he goes on. Look at this in verse 24. Now, they had been sent by the Pharisees. Again, same word. They asked him, then why are you baptizing? If you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet, John answered them, I baptize with water. The second affirmation. He is a voice. He baptizes. So who he is and what he does. But among you stands one you do not know. Among you stands one who you do not know. Even he who comes after me. The strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. See, ultimately what John was getting at is, listen. He knows who he's not but he knows I am. See, I am was the Old Testament covenant name of God, right? When Moses asked God, who are you? Who shall I tell him sent me? He says, I am. So the phrase, I am not, but I know I am is saying this. I am not, but I know, which means I have a relationship with the I am, with God. And therefore, I am what he, the I am, says I am. So there's like three levels of meaning there. I am not, but I know I am. I know God. And I know I am whatever I am says I am. That's how John responded. And that's how you and I should respond. See, John the witness says, there's one among you who you don't know. You don't know. You don't know him. And that's so important. In fact, we talked about that last week, if you were here. Been talking about it for several weeks. The whole reason why God sent Jesus is because he wants us to know him. He wants us to know him. But here's why he wants us to know him. Because in knowing him, we can get to know who we are. Let me say it to you like this. Knowing who we are is only going to come from knowing who he is. 
Knowing who we are is only going to come from knowing who he is. We can't know who we are if we don't know who he is. See, John was so healthy, so self-differentiated, such a, a healthy view of who he was and who he was not. And all of that came from who he knew God to be. He says, listen, I'm not God, but I, I am a voice. I am a witness to God. See, when we ask the question, who are you? The answer should be nothing less than defined by who God is in you. Who are you? I'm God's. That's who I am. I'm a child of God. That's who I am. I'm a daughter of God. That's who I am. I'm a son of God. That's who I am. I'm a co-heir with Christ. That's who I am. See, that's how John answers. He knows who he was and he knows who he was not. Why? Because he knew I am. He knew God. And you and I will never have a right view of who we are. And therefore, we will never say the right things about ourselves If we don't know, I am not, but I know I am. See, John did. Now, one last thing here that I think is just awesome. John chapter one, verse 28. It's the end of the section. It may seem insignificant to you, but I'm going to show you why it's significant. Last verse, these things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. All these things that just happened took place in Bethany across the Jordan. Now, again, if you were here a few weeks ago, I referenced how Elijah went up in the exact same place where John came out of. And I reference it on a map, but I know it's kind of hard to visualize that. So I have a map here on the screen. I want you to look at it. And you can see here on this map, at the top is the Sea of Galilee. It's the northern part of Israel. At the bottom is the Dead Sea. And then you see where it says Jerusalem, and then Jericho. And then across the Jordan is an area called Bethany beyond the Jordan. And the reason why that's significant is because there was another Bethany, and that's where Jesus, you know, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, that whole story. This was a different Bethany. It was across the Jordan. If you go look at 2 Kings, where Elijah went up, that area right there, Bethany beyond the Jordan, is exactly where Elijah went up. He was in Jericho, and then he told Elisha, his apprentice, God sent me to the Jordan. And then they crossed the Jordan on the other side. And then at that side, that's where Elijah went up. And then John, the apostle, tells us that all these things took place in that same place, in the Bethany across the Jordan. Why is that significant? It's significant because John knew to be in that area. John was at the right place on the map. He didn't miss his place in history. He didn't miss his moment in history. He didn't start baptizing up in the Sea of Galilee. He didn't start baptizing out in the Mediterranean Sea. That would be bad. He baptized at the place where the word that he so loved and the God that he so loved told him to be. So let me ask you this question. Do you have that kind of map 
for your life? Do you have that kind of clarity on who you are, on who you're not, on where you're supposed to be, and on what you say about yourself? Because God didn't just want that for John the witness. I honestly believe he wants that for you too. He wants that for us. Why? Because that's what he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus so that we would know him. See, John said, there's one among you standing that you don't know. My friends, if you don't know who you are, it's because you don't know who he is. If you don't know who you are and who you're not, it's because you don't know who he is. And you say, well, how can I know who he is? Well, we just did this last week. You can know who he is because Jesus came and made him known. He came and made him known so that you could know who he is and therefore you could know who you are. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of who you are. You are God. And you sent Jesus who is God. And he became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory full of grace and truth. And from his fullness, we've all received grace upon grace. But God, there's so many people today who have not received that grace yet. They don't know who they are. They don't know who they're not. They don't know how to answer correctly and say to themselves what you say they are. They don't know who they are because they don't know who you are. And God, we pray right now that you would open their eyes and show them. Nobody looking around or talking here as we close. If today you want to trust Jesus, whether you're in person or watching online, if you want to know who he is and have him define who you are, then we can settle that today. We can answer the question today, who are you? And so if you want to answer that, you can do just what John did. You can confess. You can confess, I'm not the Christ. And then you can receive by confessing, confessing that Jesus is the Christ and be saved. So if you want to do that, you can pray with me and you don't have to do it out loud. But it goes like this. Say, Father, thank you for loving me that you sent your son Jesus in my place for my sin. I confess I am not the Christ. I am a sinner. And I ask you to save me. Thank you so much for loving me. That you have now made me your child. I am a child of God. Again, nobody looking around or talking, if you're online as well, if you just trusted Christ, we want to know about that. In a moment, you'll have an opportunity to fill out a digital connection card and let us know that. But if you're in one of our locations today 
and you just prayed that, would you just simply lift your hand up so we could see that? We got some men and women are gonna walk around, put a gift in your hand, and when they do, you can put your hand down. Thank you. Today's the greatest day of your life because you found out who you are. But then those of you who know Christ, but you still struggle with who you are, it's not like that answer never, that question never comes back up again. Again, there's gonna be plenty of people who are sent to you, not by God, but by other spirits asking, who are you, who are you, who are you? What do you say about yourself? What do you say about yourself? And if you're really wrestling emotionally or mentally with who you are, because you keep defining yourself by what you do or what you've done or an inflated view of yourself or a deflated view of yourself, and you're not letting the word define who you are. Today, you can be reminded, I hope, of who you are. You are a child of God. And your purpose on this world is just like John the Witnesses to be a voice. You do have a role. There is things God wants you to do. You are not those things. You are a child of God. You are first a human being, not a human doing. But out of that reality of the relationship of who you are, God then empowers you to do those things. And so he is going to send you, like I said, to live on mission. And it's in living scent out of who you are that joy and peace comes. So I hope that you are reminded today of who you are and who you're not. Father, thank you again for loving us and for this word. And God, I pray, pray that you would apply it to all of us in a real and tangible way to know who we are and who we're not and who you are. And we thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you, church.